1: I have to start by thanking all of you guys for the many really great notes you've sent us about the first new episodes of season seven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first sure. new was in a place around Escalante, Utah. It was a location we haven't used before that we loved. It was an excuse to put the Veloster in and the 86 on camera again, which makes much more sense when Chase you watch each other it.
0: To the landscape. Yes. That yeah, was cool. Yes, it was very,
1: very fun. And for those of you that are wondering, you don't get a Motor Trend cable channel. It is not on the Motor Trend app because we own the show and Motor Trend doesn't pay to have it on the app. So there's that. It will be on Amazon in the coming weeks and also on Vimeo. We will let you know, of course, when that is happening.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, welcome back to the show. And hey, welcome back from vacation. You've been Thank gone you, for a little bit. I I'm have glad, been gone. Uh, yeah, glad to have you back. Thank and you. Uh, we had fun with both Nate and chance. Yeah, on the those are cool guests. I'm glad they could be. If on. you haven't heard those episodes, those are the prior two episodes to this, we had chance just prior to episode and then Nate two back. And it was fun to have both those guys on and provide some good perspective. And we've already had the people that have we did the debates for writing back to us and good, you know, going, "Oh my gosh, I didn't consider whatever." So that's been a lot of fun. So thank you guys for all your debates and for yeah, writing in all your topic Tuesdays, all that stuff. We do have a cool topic Tuesday that is car brand perceptions. Mm. Pretty interesting. We had a question here sent in to us about car brand perceptions and what that means. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But we also have a cool debate as well that's more of philosophy than – it's more of a financial question
1: than anything else it is interesting isn't it i, it's I, not really I, I a debate. almost i almost feel like he wrote to the wrong podcast but we will answer it anyway Aaron. I, we will answer I your dilemma to tackle it. Yeah. Yeah. i think it it's interesting, interesting for sure it'll be you know, very in cool. all seriousness very and
0: then cool. you know we've got you know some vacation stories apparently saw a Bricklin. well
1: forty five yes. year old car i, I went <laughs> i went to jackson hole area and i happened to be there you may have actually seen on instagram on the same day we posted pictures of a Bricklin, and so did matt farah Matt Farrow was going through there on this Adventure Drives thing. It was the last stop. They were there three or four days after we were. So we were there, uh, yeah, almost a week before him when we got there. But I'm walking down, and I haven't been to Jackson Hole. Think about this for a second. I haven't been to the Jackson Hole area since I was my son's age. He's 10. Wow. It's It's been a long time. You know, one or two months. It's been a couple months, exactly. I'm walking down a side street. Actually, when I first saw it, I saw it while driving by in a car. Okay, and All I right. said, "There's a Bricklin," and of course, my wife and son went. There's a what now? W- what is that word? I have no idea. What <laughs> yeah. What do you say? Did you have a heart attack? What happened? So anyway, exactly. so later we walked by it, and I stopped, and I explained to my son that the Bricklin is in some ways similar to the Delorean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's almost a decade decade prior. Certainly five or six years prior. It's a singular guy. In this case, Malcolm Bricklin made a car with gullwing doors. And composite body work, and it was called the SV-1, the Safety Variant 1 or something. It was, yeah. Safety. It, exactly. Awesome. So um, it was supposed to, you know, has these, you can actually see in the photos, it's got a bumper that's disconnected from the rest of the car because it had essentially early five-mile-an-hour bumpers and all kinds of stuff.
0: It's got that lazy-eye headlight thing going on. It's Here's like half what's open. funny. It
1: has a lazy-eyed headlight on the left side, and some of the the, the nicest photos online. The car's doing the same thing. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not just that one. Apparently, it's all of them. Very few of them were made. Okay, and it was one of those things like the DeLorean, where they took engines from elsewhere and you know they yeah. cobbled it together, yeah. and uh, and so they are. Uh, do I say bespoke? That's probably the kindest way to put that, it. That is uh, that is as uh, kind as I can possibly put word it. Word
0: that's way up there.
1: What's What's interesting is this one is specifically parked by a photo gallery in downtown Jackson. Okay. Okay. And I explained the car to my son, and then he was—I mean—obsessed doesn't really cover it.
0: Well, this is what's so surprising to me. He's ten, mm-hmm. and he can't stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. He—everything is about the Bricklin. I mean, he's suggesting it for you know reviews. Then we should and buy one. Lemons, yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. And all this stuff. I'm going. Man, it, did this make an impression on you? It's the fact
1: that it looks so odd. Yeah. And it is so rare. He really responds to rare. Okay. When cars okay. are unique. It's one of the, his favorite things about the Lotus. Honestly, if you would like to see my son crushed, it would be drive the Lotus to a Cars and Coffee, and there's seven other ones there. Yeah. <laughs> okay? He doesn't care if there's 15 911 GT3s. He doesn't care. Doesn't care. <laughs> bring, Which bring usually those, are. Yeah, bring as many of those you want. Yeah. Three or four McLarens, fine. More than one Lotus Elise, he's kind of bummed really yes so it's he, the he exclusivity likes or? he likes the rarity so here was this uh. Bricklin that by by its nature <clears throat> is rare and but here was the thing he kept wanting to know about the car and he was badgering me and badgering me and so i went into this gallery to find the owner okay i found the owner okay uh he's retiring this year um he's had the car for 45 years do the math he bought it in 75 when it was essentially new he's had it ever since Oh my god! But when I started a conversation oh with him, uh, it quickly went nowhere because I said, "Do you own the Bricklin? and his and his response to me was, "The gallery does." And he's this really old photographer. He's wearing his old beat down photography vest. He's kind of bent over. He's a very old man. Okay. Okay. He said the the gallery does. And I said, "What does that mean?" What I does does said, "How long mean? have you had it?" And he said, "Well." The gallery bought it in 1975, at which point I realized Come what was on. happening here. He bought an orange Bricklin that nobody had ever seen, and he's parked it right outside his gallery for 45 years so that people will go, what is that car? And go inside and ask and see all his – it, it, it's essentially a big promotional tool. I A Bricklin promotional tool. Seriously, a brick of a promotional tool. What on earth? I can't believe he's daily driven this thing. It's an automatic. It is beat on. It moves under its own power? Apparently, because it kept leaving every day. Unbelievable. So uh he did not want to have a conversation about his car because the gallery owned it. And so I quickly left. But um yeah, I, I wanted to have a nice conversation with him about come on, you own a Brickland. That's crazy. Of course, my son now we walked out and he looked at me kind of like what why why did that not go better? You have a car show, he has a crazy car, why did it I was like, buddy, he doesn't want to talk about his car. It was yeah. very clear. He kept shutting it down. So okay. Right. He wants to sell Photography and artwork. He, which, I get and, it. That's his business. But think about this. Once it gets this. you in the door. Think about it. this. 45 years he's owned that car. And based on the nature of how he's parking it, it's probably been parked there almost every day. Unreal. Which means, do this math, it was probably parked on the street in that spot when I was there at my son's age. That's creepy and Isn't weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So... Uh, not only is uh, honestly, it's the first time I personally have seen a bricklin that apparently was running outside of a museum. I couldn't I, believe it.
0: Wow! And they do not belong in museums. They either belong, at, you know, <laughs> where they're at, running until they die, and then
1: well, let it let it go. Apparently, within a few miles of where Chance lives, there's a guy who has four rotting yeah, in a field. Yeah. Now none of them run; they're all rotting in a field. This Just, one, and think about Jackson for a second. It's A lot like Park City, they get snow. Yeah. And it looked to be in fairly decent shape. This car has been through it. So fascinating. Brickland. So now my son is obsessed with the Brickland, but he also is doing everything he can, transitioning to more modern cars, to have opinions about what we drive. Okay. He's 10. He's not driving them, but he's trying to have opinions about what we drive. Two things happened today. (laughs) <laughs> we okay. have a Honda CRV right now, mm-hmm. the hybrid.
0: Yes, we do. We've been gifted a week long press loan for the Honda CRV Hybrid All Wheel Drive Touring. Yes. This is a 2020 car, and from my early earliest driving years, I had two Honda Accords. I owned Hondas. My family's been into Hondas. My sister has beat a Honda Accord up the Alcan Highway. I <laughs> yeah. mean, yeah, we've been into Hondas. Hondas mm-hmm. have been great. Yeah, I love Hondas. They're
1: excellent cars. Mm-hmm. I, I sense a butt coming. <laughs> Except a, for a, this one. A however is on its way. <laughs> it
0: is. And I'm kind of ticked off at Honda because mm, I mm. love the Civic Type R. We love the Honda Ridgeline. Mm-hmm. The Passport and the Pilot are good. They're mm-hmm. good for a lot of families. Yeah, They're yeah, yeah. you know, loaded with features. The Odyssey is actually a pretty darn good minivan. If you need a minivan, it's way up there. I get that. And then we come to the CRV, the hybrid, with the hybrid powertrain. And I can't figure out why Honda has decided that nobody will notice how bad it is. (laughs) They've just kind of slipped it into their lineup and thought, nobody will know. They just need the cargo space and they need a good price. And we'll just put the hybrid powertrain on. Nobody's really going to notice. They're going to buy it anyway. And they didn't make it good. It's not good to drive. It's unbelievably loud under full power up a hill when you need full power. It's horrifically loud. And I can't believe the choice of materials. It's this metallic wood trim. That's not even wood trim. It's just pad printed.
1: Yes. Wood. It looks like one of those wood stickers you used to find on cars. Don't do that. That was not a good choice.
0: Make it an honest material. Honda. I know you're better than this. Mm, Wow. They have proven over the years. True. True. We love many Honda products. Mm -hmm. This is not one that I love. I cannot say Go. There's so many competitors in this arena, yeah. in this five-passenger, lot of cargo space, kind of high-riding SUV, good gas mileage. There's too many competitors for this to be bad. It, it overlaps their
1: own stable with the passport. Yes, it does. I can't figure out why you wouldn't buy a passport instead. I, I don't know. I don't know why they both exist in the lineup. But here's the funny thing about this in relation to my son. Okay, I was driving it today with him. Two things happened. First off, now granted, he doesn't drive. I mean, he's 10. He's tense. Okay, he. Right. I, I will admit, he's driven the Cayenne on a back road once for about a mile.
0: Was he sitting in your lap at the time? No, or sitting no, no. In-
1: he actually drove it. Really? He's just tall enough. You move the seat because really? it dawned on me they have to make cars that'll fit people that are four foot nine. He's past that now. Is he really? So, since since that's the bottom, I was like theoretically, this seat will go far enough forward, and it does. So anyway, so it has begun. But I got on the freeway. Okay. It's a CVT. Yes. It's a hybrid with a CVT. Yes. I got on the freeway and I punched it to get at the freeway speeds because that's how I get on freeways. And there was a droning, a knee yeah. ng- that is very loud. If you've watched our Honda Insight Fast Blast, it's the same noise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of the same powertrain. So it, it, <laughs> it does the, the whee- and, and we're halfway on the, the on-ramp. My son turned to me, completely honestly said, shouldn't you upshift? What? <laughs> And I said, uh, uh, no, buddy, that's uh, that's the CVT. It's going to do that for a while. And it continued doing it as we continued up to speed. And he goes, what does that mean? And I said, <laughs> and I said oh, my God. Continuously variable transmission. It doesn't have gears. And it just finds the right ratio and keeps the engine at the same RPM. And that's why it's making that consistent noise until I stop asking it to accelerate. And he just looked at me like half those words were not English. So that was the first thing, I, and then
0: my jaw is hanging open. It over was here. hysterical.
1: I did not, I did not prep any of this. The second thing is, I was, I did a big arcing exit halfway through it. He says, "That's a lot of body roll."
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! I'm so, sorry, but when ten year olds are noticing <laughs> the shortcomings of the car that they're riding in. Now, I know that he is on a different level because he has you for a dad. He's not normal. And he is very perceptive and he he uses words that adults don't Mm -hmm. because he has you for a dad. Mm -hmm. But still, when a 10 year old is noticing these shortcomings of a particular car and he gets to ride in most of the press cars that we get
1: and he's noticing and
0: commenting. Point made.
1: Yeah. I I hear you.
0: I'm frustrated because I know Honda can do better. And I feel like they've just cobbled it together and kicked it out the door and they know people are going to buy it. And it's honestly, it's cars like this that people own and drive. And then they rediscover driving. They they think later, I just thought all cars were like this. I Mm -hmm. had no idea there were cars that were fun to drive. Yeah. I didn't know that I could have fun in a corner. Interesting point. I'm not saying the CRV is by any stretch, a sports car or (laughs) should be fun to drive. But why can't it be? Mm. Why can't it be better? Why can't there be some redeeming quality? Because I can think of a myriad of mid level SUVs in the $36,000 price point yeah. that I would yeah. rather have. Mm-hmm. And I am not saying that I don't like hybrid powertrains at all. True. And we, they will proliferate some, yeah. and continue. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. so. Fine, bring the hybrid powertrains. But why this combination? Why mm, why did mm. this get released? It's along the lines of when people think, "Well, that's cars ugly." How they how did they let it out the door? Didn't anybody stand back and think, <laughs> "That's ugly?"
1: <laughs> as they should.
0: How come no engineer drove this and thought, "You know, we can do better than this. Yeah. We can engineer it to be more responsive, drive better, ride better, less noise?" Come on. It's, I'm shocked.
1: It's been a while since Paul's had a rant like this. It's, it's been deserving. a long time. It's deserving, but it's been a while. But yeah. I
0: cannot say go buy the Honda CRV. And this is a car that my sister, years ago when the Honda CRV came out, yeah, yeah. she wanted one. And they were great. The yeah. original, or, I mean original Honda I remember, CRV. I remember. I had a friend that had one. They were kind great. Kind of a cool car. Yeah, it yeah. kind of invented this new little category. And it was useful and great and interesting and well thought through. Yeah, yeah. And now we have this. <laughs> No, I'm well, frustrated. And Honda, I like car, I like your cars. I, I like can't believe how
1: much it overlaps with the passports. That's the thing that shocks me. This but is, speaking of Honda products, oh, no. this, two weeks from now, we have in, in the list of five new episodes coming to TV on Motor Trend, we have a sedans comparison and the Honda Accord is part of that. But this coming Saturday, get yourself ready to learn how to race drive because yeah, we did that thing. Yeah. And we'll talk about it more on Thursday. The thing that we all do, I think, as enthusiasts, you think you've become a good driver and then you think, I, I could have. I could have been a race driver. I shouldn't have. I could do that. I shouldn't have whatever opportunity. And so we went and took a race driving course just to see if there's any chance of that working. So that's pretty fun. That's a very fun episode.
0: I had a friend actually tell me this was a few years ago. Okay. He shall remain nameless. All right. But he said race driving is easy. All you do is sit there and turn the wheel. I went. (laughs) Oh no, you didn't just say that.
1: (laughs) No, you did not. Please tell me he drove a minivan at the time. Oh my gosh. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already
0: seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites
1: at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. AutoTempest.com. All the cars. One search. We've got this cool topic <laughs> Tuesday, everyone,
0: from Richard F., who writes to us about car brand perceptions. And Richard was talking to his female cousin who knows nothing of car culture, but this is not gender specific. There's plenty of people who yeah. don't know about cars and yeah, don't care, just and non-car people. Totally fine. Yeah, for sure. But it got Richard thinking, what is the general perception of each car brand
1: wow how long are we taking on this
0: (laughs) richard thinks there's a few tiers built around how much they are perceived Mm -hmm. to cost and perception is reality to many people and in a lot of cases that's the the image that we present in a job interview and who we are Mm -hmm. and you know all that kind of stuff same thing with cars so richard wrote the tiers of public perception but he thought spent we time could here, yeah. talk about a little bit more. And, and there are some things in here that hopefully we can give you some tools to educate people with. And again, it, it doesn't matter. Guys, girls doesn't matter. There's plenty of guys who don't care about cars yeah, and there's for plenty sure, of girls sure. who are into cars. Yeah, in a big. Way. Absolutely. Yeah. So sure. it's, it's, that's not what it's about. It's just more about public perception. Mm-hmm. And to start off with this first tier, tier one economy, cars, mm-hmm. meaning junk, they must be junk.
1: Yeah. If they're that cheap, they can't be good. It's not possible. Why is the Honda CRV
0: not on this list, Richard? <clears throat> Easy. Whoa. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> I have vitriol for that car. You, clearly. I cannot recommend it. Clearly. There's better ways to spend your money. All right. So the four brands on this economy tier are Hyundai and Kia and Mitsubishi and Nissan. Okay. And I say it that way because both those brands are related. Mitsubishi and Nissan are related. Hyundai and Kia sure. are related. Fair point.
1: All right. Yeah, go on.
0: Well, Hyundai used to be crap. Yeah, years ago they did. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about non-car things. Let's talk about a product in your life that didn't used to be good. Mm, okay, Furniture, Okay, housewares. What in your life did you think, I would have never considered that brand before? Mm. I'd, I never thought uh, Samsung TVs were good. Mm. But now they're really good. Mm. And then you're... Your brand perception changes at that point. Sure, sure, sure. You're right, Richard. Hyundai's and Kias, twenty, twenty five years ago, not that interesting. They weren't. Yeah. But they they sold cars just to get a foot in the door, get establish the American market, and then that whole ten year warranty thing happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah, big time.
0: Like you've called out. They've re-engineered their cars to match a warranty that they went. They
1: scared themselves. Yeah, absolutely they did. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Now we got to make the cars good. Mm -hmm. And then over time, they have proliferated Mm -hmm. and grown. And look at the design and engineering teams that they have on staff. (laughs) They hired all the BMW folks and Audi
1: folks. Yeah. And guess what happened to their cars? They became more like BMWs and Audis. So that has
0: to go out the window, along with uh, the Ford Kia kind of sure, statement. Sure, Because we hear that plenty about the Stinger. Man, Yeah, it's a good
1: car. Four a six, nope. It's a great
0: car, and It's period. a good car,
1: full stop. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, there's an interesting thing here that you and I have noticed. We've been doing this. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's true. We've been doing what we do here for more than a decade. And so <laughs> so doing yeah. doing this for that long is the first time I've really been embedded enough in car culture to see evidence of what I'm about to say. And that is... Okay. I think car companies almost need to be viewed on decade cycles, 10-year cycles. Agreed Because with that. whatever your perception is of a car right now, what was it 10 years ago? But more importantly, will, are you willing to change that perception 10 years from now? When we first started this show, Cadillac was killing it, and Lincoln had nothing. Right. 10 years later, they've flopped. Now, Cadillac still has, honestly, GM has some of the best chassis people in the world. They do. The absolutely. chassis work is fantastic. Yes, yes but i feel like cadillac doesn't really know what it wants to be right now and agreed. lincoln has figured themselves out and 10 years ago lincoln was lost that agreed. was our whole you know nothing to see here because it was just it was it was barely warmed over marginal ford products under the lincoln banner mm-hmm. yeah so it's interesting to watch cars change 10 years ago mercedes had history but we didn't like them agreed 10 years later their whole lineup is pretty impressive right now. They're killing it. Okay. BMW 10 years ago was a darling of most enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of people are going, you know, BMW is not what it used to be. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and forget forget you and I for a second. Right. We're hearing this a lot right. from you as viewers. Yeah, I don't know about BMW anymore. People that have owned them have said that to us in the last couple of years. People that have owned them for a long time. So you have to keep reassessing. But what I think is interesting that happens, and I know this – this could get into political stuff quickly. I'm not going to go there because it's not we do. But we are all raised with bias because we grow up in a family and our parents operate a certain way about people, things, whatever. It just happens. Okay, okay. It, and right. I'm saying that happens, and I say this also as a parent. Now that I'm at both a son and a father, I see it very differently. But, but as a result, you, you realize that you've been hardwired with certain perceptions that may or may not even be correct, they may not have even been something where your parent, from
0: you you were raised. It may not saying?
1: even be a way, thing where your parents sat you down and went, "We feel this way about this." It, they just operated in a certain way that now suddenly, and I'll bring it back to mm-hmm, cars. Mm-hmm. You only ever buy Chevys. Yeah, nothing was ever spoken that we only buy Chevys. But my parents, honestly, have only ever owned GM product when we lived in the U.S.
0: Which is so ingrained, by the way. And I'm not mm-hmm. this is not a shot at your folks, but yeah. when you recommended the CX five, we wanted them to buy that because yes. it's brilliant. Yes, we did. And they bought
1: a... Equinox. Yeah. When they bought their Equinox, last car whatever. five years ago, I said they wanted a five seat. Everything they asked for was met in the in Mazda CX-5. And I said, go drive a Mazda CX-5. They didn't even drive it. They bought an Equinox because it, it was the GM version.
0: That's long lasting perception. Yes. That's
1: long, deeply embedded. So my point here is, because I'm going to jump around out of these c- categories, but I wanted to jump off from there to say, you listening right now. You have a kind of car that you think is going to be great. It might be your family raised you with Toyotas. Sure. It might be sure. we only buy Fords. We've done car debates here. My whole family's only ever had Ford that want to buy something else, which bravo to you for stepping out. Yeah. But yeah. you've had an ingrained perception of cars. And generally it comes from, look, my parents are this example. It, generally it comes from your parents bought a car that was terrible. Insert brand here. Then they brought a car that was good. Insert brand there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they only bought that brand ever since because those cars are good. And they never branched out again. One of the yeah. interesting things about yeah. you and I driving so many things and now as crazy as has gotten, owning so many things yeah. is how much yeah. it is warping and changing our own perceptions. Look at you in Maserati.
0: Yes. I love that you brought it back around to that commentary because look at me and the Porsche Macan. Porsche should be able to do no wrong because sure. I'm Porsche super freak. hmm I don't love the Macan. Mm -hmm. I don't. It's fine. Yeah. It's good.
1: But there's a lot of stuff I'd choose before the Macan. And now Maseratis of all kinds turn your head. Who
0: knew? Maseratis go by and I'm like, oh, Maserati, look. People are like, what? What's wrong with you? And that's also the perception of the internet. Mm, Oh, yeah. The qp Maseratis, they're just junk. Why wouldn't you get a Lexus? What are you thinking? Why would... Well, the whole, you've missed the point we there. We knew there but. was no
1: drama in the Lexus. That's part of the exactly. part, point, yes.
0: But, you know, I'm thinking for what you and I do, it's continually necessitating us to have open minds about yes. the newest cars that come out. Yes. I could have just said, it's a Honda. The CRV is just going to be great because it's a Honda. Mm, sure. Honda yeah, can yeah. do no wrong. I mean, they're awesome. Yeah. And then here comes the CRV. Mm. No, thank you.
1: Yuck. You, you and I have tried really hard over the years, and I want to encourage all of you in this regard because it's it's what I'm about to say is difficult. We try to get into a car and forget what the badge is.
0: We've done this since the inception and of just the show,
1: go, though. Is it good? Is it bad? And why?
0: I mean, this is not new to no, the show no, no. We, and to we, our, our We headspace. have always tried to do that This is why one. we came away loving the Kia Stinger because you take the badge off the hood and you drive it for what it is and you uh-huh. think –
1: well, that's a cool-looking car, and it drives cool looking, great. looking drives great. This is really fun. Why doesn't everybody have one of these? Oh, ah. that's right. There's a Kia badge. And so right. people go, hmm. Right. All right. So on with the domestic
0: generic brands tier two. Chevy, Chrysler, Dodge. Fiat, it's Italian. Is it mm. always going to be broken? That's the perception Twenty years ago,
1: honestly, the first thing people say people that don't know cars know fix it again, Tony. People totally. that don't know cars know that totally. How is that possible? That's how ingrained that perception is in this country. And Alfa Romeo,
0: yeah, yes. you don't want an Alfa because remember that eighty four whatever, you know.
1: The only thing it ever did that was good that. was being the graduate, but they never run. I've yeah, heard this exactly. many times. So this is what the <clears throat>
0: Stellantis. Please don't name your company Stellantis. <laughs>
1: Who, how contrived Welcome is this? Welcome to Stellantis.
0: <laughs> is how, everything how, white? How, re- oh, out? are you kidding?
1: The future is white. Everything is white. Uh, somehow there's no dirt left. It, uh, somehow there's no dirt left. I have a white dog. He's dirty all the time. Yeah. Okay? White things don't stay clean. But somehow in the future, we're all wearing white and everything's pristine. So the
0: Stellantarians, the people who run the company, are going to bring Peugeot <laughs> back to yes. Yes. They're going to bring Peugeot back to North America. Okay. For sure. the first time in sure, why not? decades. Let's do it. There is a long-standing perception that, yeah, the reason you pulled out is because those Peugeots just, blech, they yeah. weren't good. That old Peugeot diesel, yeah, you yeah. don't want that. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's the perception. Mm-hmm. And I'll bet you they're going to bring a lineup of very on-point electric cars.
1: That'll be interesting. Be interesting, sure. I,
0: I bet you that's going to be the brand that they use. I mean, DS will be more the luxury stuff, but Peugeots mm-hmm. themselves will be… Primarily electric. There'll be a lot of SUVs and and CUVs, kind of thing, because we've got Dodge over here. You know, we've still got a you know, (laughs) but maybe that's electrified
1: too. Well, but back to the bias thing. If you are if you are an American that was born to a long-standing American family, you probably have a domestic brand you love and a domestic brand you hate. Totally.
0: And what does domestic mean? Because mercedes benzes are built true. here. No, true. All the BMW SUVs are built in South Carolina.
1: Yeah, I mean all of them. The, the Camrys and Accords are built here too. But yep. when I, what I'm saying is Ford, Chevy, Dodge. Yeah. If you are an American raised in this country, you can tell me right now from the way you were raised. I don't yes. even care where you were raised. You have one of those you love and, and one of yes. those you hate. You have an opinion.
0: You say yes. those three words, yes. you have an opinion. Yes.
1: And, and the people that like the brand you're supposed to hate, you you don't like them either. You well, Mopar or No Car, man, that's the one that really yeah, makes me laugh. Oh that's that's the best of all of them, by the way, yeah. When
0: people said Jeep, because I had, as my first car, my dad's rusted-out 77 Jeep Grand Cherokee, when people say Jeep, that's what I think of. That pops into my head of a four-door, overweight, bloated Thing.
1: And I think you're in the minority to think of that. Totally. Yeah. People
0: say Jeep and, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jeep. G- oh, wait, you mean Wrangler when you say Jeep. Yeah. And that's what, that's what everybody else think. thinks. I think
1: the average person, you say Jeep, and oh, let me rephrase, they pull up at a light behind a Jeep that's not a Wrangler and they're like, oh. <laughs> now, now, what's that's, this a, that's a Jeep? Yeah. Huh. Exactly. I don't know. They made anything like that. Exactly. Well, the perception here
0: is, you know, all the, well, Jeep, domestic, fine, domestic, they, they can't be that good, right? They're, they're not that good. And then, like you said, people are tattooed. Ford, Chevy, or Dodge, or a Ram yeah, you've got tattoos. I mean, you are not going to burn that thing off. So, how about all the Mazdas and Subarus and Toyotas and Volkswagens that are built in the U.S. (laughs) Yeah, cheap, reliable. They're fine. There is no fun to be had over there. Don't go over there. But you got to step it up to tier three for the near perceived luxury, like Acura and Alpha and Buick. Buick is better than Chevy luxury. It's like it's not Cadillac, yeah. is, but is I'm it? better than
1: Chevy. It is it is in China. Yeah, I'm assistant that's what makes to the regional yeah. vice president. Because <laughs> he needs three assistants, yeah.
0: Genesis looks nice. What is it? Infinity looks nice. What is it? Lincoln is just Ford luxury, like you said. Mini's small upscale fun. I'm sure that many people would be shocked to find out that the Bavarians own Mini, the brand. Yes. yes. And Volvo. Oh yeah, Volvo. Safe, reliable, slightly upscale. Volvo's killing it. Volvo turns our
1: heads. Well, but I'll put it to you this way. Most people think Volvo as just safe. Safe, boring boxes. Yes. But they built their reputation on safety first. They they pioneered that. Okay. They pioneered that. Although their companies were
0: doing safety third. Volvo was doing
1: safety first. Three point seat belts and a lot of things that they did first. Okay. Yes. But they did that in an era when their stuff was just bread van looking. I mean, just little boxy things. Think about the old, what, with the 140s and all this kind of thing. I mean, (laughs) just boxy 40s. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Those things. So anyway. Uh. But what's interesting is I think that perception has carried on. It has, I don't absolutely. think the average person thinks that a Volvo is nice inside. I agree with that. Even if even if they go, oh, it's a good-looking Volvo, they wouldn't think that's luxurious to be in. And the right. interiors and the Volvos right now are awesome. They're
0: spectacular. They're Mercedes, like mid- to high-level
1: quality. They're much better than people think. And then you've got Acura. I honestly think the only people that buy Acuras are people that already buy lots of Hondas. I don't I think Acura gets other people. I don't think you think, huh, let's wander over to Acura. And they make, look, they make a lot of interesting, good stuff, and their uh, super handling all-wheel drive is appropriately named. Yes, it is. It's not just marketing. But at the same time, I really do think you buy an Acura because you are a Honda person and you priced out to the luxury brand.
0: Now that you can afford a little yeah. bit nicer,
1: but I
0: don't want to stray outside Honda, so what's better than Honda? Acura.
1: And Because then, and then yeah. I, I don't think just people are like, I should go buy an Acura. I don't think that happens. You bought something else before, and now you're, I'm going to go get an Acura. <laughs> Tier 4 is actual luxury.
0: Audis are just rich jerks. BMWs are rich jerks driving poorly. <laughs> Jaguars are cool rich guys. You see that? Uh, yeah, I did see that. It's funny. <laughs> the Land Rover is an upscale Jeep. You can afford more than the basic Wrangler. Have you, welcome to Land yeah, Rover.
1: Yeah, but but Land Rovers also have, I think, in general, they have a pretty bad reputation for reliability, which is deserved. You and I look at a Land Rover and go, "Blah." you couldn't pay me to well, drive that Well, we day. look at a Land Rover and go, when are they cheap enough for us to buy one for a cheap car challenge, drive <laughs> exactly. it for a year, and be horrified. I mean, that's really how we look at them. I mean, they are, look, my wife has driven multiple Land Rover products and loves them. Yeah, because they are the big truck feel with a lot of luxury. She's like, I like this. I'm like, yeah, we're not buying this. But uh, (laughs) but but at the same time, we've also driven them in lots of situations and they are very impressive. But they have that thing of this is going to sound weird. If you buy the top level of a lot of the German brands that have all the tech, Mm -hmm. this -hmm. is the problem with Land Rover Range Rover is they have so much tech in them. Lots of stuff can break. And lots of stuff that breaks relates to other things that can also break. And now it's all breaking. Just pull the fuse for that function and keep driving. There's no problems. Clearly. I I am so fascinated by some of their perceptions. Cadillac is an interesting one because Cadillac is still struggling with a perception that I think they created in the 60s.
0: Okay. That
1: they make.
0: That far. Back that far. I think so. because
1: Because they – what do people think of? They think of the Caddies from the 60s. Yeah. 50s and 60s, they've got they got fins, and they're huge, and they're boats. Everything I've described is not a current Cadillac. True. Cadillacs are the same size as all their competitors, or in some cases slightly smaller. They have very refined styling, mm-hmm. and the chassis and the handling, I bet you, is better than you think. Agreed. And in some cases, better in, in their sedans, sometimes better than their competitors. Bring me a competitor and bring me a performance cadillac and the chassis hand, uh, dynamics are probably better on the caddy yeah but yet yeah. the average person cadillac is a big floaty obnoxious boat for an old person and cadillac right. established right. that in the 60s we are it's that i know it's a buick joke but we are road hugging weight we are just nothing bothers us we yeah. have fins yeah this is as big and luxurious as we can be and don't bring me a corner cuz this is america
0: well, and here we expression.
1: are, 50, 60 years later, yeah. and I think Cadillac is still perceived that way and still fighting against that.
0: It's because of this expression. Well, it's as floaty as a Cadillac. Yeah. You mean really well damped with the magnetic ride <laughs> control that's probably the best in the business that actually Ferrari licenses? You mean that floaty? Is yeah, that, that what that you floaty. mean?
1: That the, floaty. The Ferrari license product is the one that really <laughs> blows people's minds. they are like, wait, what? GM made that magnetic ride exactly. that Ferrari did for years? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. No. And then, you know, continuing on with Lexus, which is just luxurious Toyota, Mercedes is generic rich guy, whereas Porsche is sporty rich guy. Until yeah. you buy a $20,000 Cayman, are you still sporty rich guy? Or did you discover the per-
1: Porsche? The perception is you there.
0: Know, I, I suppose it is. Tesla you- is environmental rich guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or investor or early adopter.
0: Right. Especially yeah. if they're wearing a hoodie. Yeah, there's all of those things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked about billionaires and hoodies in a while. Oh, no, we haven't. Elon doesn't wear a lot of hoodies. That that may be where he's gone wrong. He that, might be more beloved that's universally problem. if he stopped tweeting and, and wore a hoodie. I'm oh, just saying, man. you know. Anyway, I, I think the the other thing that happens though, and I've joked about it in Hollywood before, there are also tears in certain professions. There are. So when, when you start in Hollywood, you drive whatever it was that got you to L.A. Mm-hmm. It's your old beat down Civic. In my case no surprise it was a Caprice have classic for e it was something to, to you know shoot your you know story it. about yes, later yes exactly the behind the music is going to be awesome yeah. until we walk through my crib and see my garage yeah. but so you have got whatever you drove there and then you wind up in a BMW because you're working at the studio now right? but it's not the mid or
0: high level BMW it's just BMW it's like a 3
1: series or a low 5 yeah. it's it's okay. one of those okay Entry level it's got to be in silver or black and then <laughs> yeah, when you become like executive level or executive producer or something like that you step up depending upon your family needs either into the Range Rover or into the 911, also in silver oh, or black. Yes, yes. So there's the way that th- that progression works in Hollywood, and there are plenty of people that are driving Range Rovers or 911s that don't. This is going to sound odd. Don't actually like Range Rovers or 911s. <laughs> they don't know really history. They're not people that the people in the Range Rovers. <laughs> the the most aggressive thing they did was the uh, there was some gravel that was dropped in the Starbucks. Right. That's where they're using their they Range hopped Rover. Hopped curb. You know it. Oh the, yeah, exactly. Whatever. And and the the most aggressive. Driving they're doing the 911 is because L.A. actually has corners.
0: Yes, right.
1: But there are people that buy both those cars because they love the brands, they know the history, and they want to use them as intended. But whatever profession you're in, I guarantee you there are standard tiers. You, you, if you looked at your parking lot, you'd be like, oh, you're right, all the people in the middle management drive one of these three cars.
0: And if you got it in a color, you can kiss your career goodbye, What are you right? doing? <laughs> why, why would you Don't do that? Step out of the norm and get it's it It's in- white, <laughs> silver. <laughs> oh. Black, ideally
1: white first. (laughs)
0: Right. Last tier here, Richard says, is fancy. I don't recognize it, so it must be expensive. Aston Martins, Bugattis, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Low-Tie. I don't recognize a Lotus. Is that a yellow Ferrari with a V10? Well, but in all of these,
1: these, with the exception of Rolls-Royce, if you see a sporty car that has a sports car-sounding engine, Mm -hmm. people go, oh, is that a Ferrari? It's amazing how ubiquitous that perception is. The
0: QP5 turns old guy's head. I'm telling you. In the, the QP5 the 5
1: interior, turns old guy's head. So they're like, what is that? They're
0: like, what, what are you, young whippersnapper, driving that thing? Mm-hmm. Eleven grand, $11,000 right here. Eleven grand, <laughs> Fully
1: $11,000. The almost Meat. reliable Balserati, Yep. Telling you.
0: Take a guess at the one thing we can't get enough of car stuff. That's right. That's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of the award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, which is chock-full of interesting reads and beautiful
1: photos. You'll also get access to members-only live stream on topics that range from car values to automotive history, DIY tutorials, and a whole lot more. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts from big brands, including Deal of the Week, which is always an exclusive deal that only lasts a couple of days. If you love cars, and we know you do... This club is for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. Aaron is writing to us with a dilemma. And I'm gonna go I'm look, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you the headline of this dilemma, and that is he's asking us, Paul and I, on this Everyday Driver Car Debate <laughs> channel, where what we do is spend money to find you a fun car and generally spend beyond your budget. In spite of that, Aaron, he has such goodwill for us. He's writing in with a financial question.
0: Aaron is twenty-two. He started listening to the podcast recently, Aaron. Thank you for writing in. He's got a good chunk of change saved up, he says, and contemplating whether he should or should not mm-hmm. spend fifteen to twenty thousand dollars on a particular classic roadster that is currently on sale locally. He does not tell us
1: any details about this classic he car. He specifically avoids telling us any more yes. than what you've already heard.
0: It's just a particular classic roadster. classic
1: roadster currently on sale locally for fifteen to twenty. I've got it. Could be a Bricklin. It's it not must a roadster. Be a Bricklin. But my point is, it must. Th- be. It could be anything you can think up that fits into that category. We have no idea what Aaron's writing about.
0: Now he does have a daily driver. His father's nineteen ninety five four cylinder Probe. Yes, he dailies a Ford Probe. He dailies a Ford Probe. Wow! All right. So he believes this car in question, the classic roadster, can be a forever car to pass on to his future kids, mm-hmm. and is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity because of its obscure rarity. Are you sure it's not a Bricklin? I, 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 guess
1: I'm thinking I think he's like, buying a Bricklin. The
0: nice, the world's nicest Bricklin is like fifteen grand, right?
1: It's A roadster. Somebody sawed the top off. It's it's a custom job.
0: <laughs> All right. Now the car is not an investment. He says. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but not an investment mm-hmm. because he doesn't think it will increase in value in the long run, <laughs> and will probably suck his wallet dry, you know, because just of the maintenance.
1: I, I so Aaron, I so want to know what car this is. I do
0: too. Anyway, onward. The question is: Do we think it's better to invest that fifteen or twenty thousand dollars? <laughs> In any, well, a mutual fund, he says, or an index
1: fund. Anything that's financial and not a car is essentially what he says. Yes. Aaron, yes. you remember that this is the everyday driver car debate, right? And you remember anyway, who you're road. talking yeah. to over on the yeah. side yeah. of the huh? table, right? Yeah, for sure.
0: He says, which in 50 years, he's got a 50-year timeline for this pile of cash. Yes. He said would translate into a, the cash equivalent of a house, in which case the car is no longer a sub $20,000 purchase, but a six-figure purchase. Isn't that's that
1: interesting right. math?
0: But if you're 22 in 50 years, you'll be 72. You're going to
1: need a house before then. He's just giving us an equivalent of how much yes, money. Yes. Yeah, but I take your point.
0: So would we invest the money or take the once in a lifetime opportunity to own a very special car, which at $15,000 won't even buy a brand new fun car. No, it won't buy a brand new fun car. But it will buy a fun car. It'll
1: buy a lot of fun cars. It'll buy Aaron.
0: all eight of the everyday driver usual suspects. Yes,
1: yes. Fifteen to twenty grand. Honestly, I'm going to go ahead and run through it real quick. Pick your 86 mm-hmm. S2000 Fiesta Great. ST. Yep. Pick your Miata. Yep. You can buy a Boxster or a Cayman. Yes. Those are the top five that strike me just right off the top of my head. Fifteen to twenty grand. All of those are. Excellent used cars. Yes, Lotus and, and GTI are up there. Fun? Is it part of the crew? Yes. Well, but the Lotus would be above twenty grand, but the okay, GTI still. would be available. But I mean, come on. Yep. There's a lot of cars available that would be really fun for twenty grand. And honestly, the thing, uh, um, lots of things here. <laughs> you're looking at this car again. I still want to know what it is, and you're saying. If that money would be, I'm just gonna pick a number, worth three hundred grand in fifty years, isn't this car in front of me kind of like I'm making a three hundred thousand dollar purchase? I that's see heavy. how you got there. That's heavy though. I see how you got there, but honestly, if you take that logic, you won't buy anything ever. True. Because True. your expensive coffee maker or your T V that's gonna cost you a thousand dollars right now or whatever. If you look at it in a 50-year investment lens, you'll buy nothing. On one hand,
0: I cannot say buy Tesla stock. I cannot say, yes, put your money in Tesla stock. It might go to $30,000 a share. It could tank and go back to seventeen where it started.
1: I'm going to go ahead and say it. Paul and I do not own car company stock. We think it's no. a conflict of in interest. We do not own Tesla or anybody oh, else, but onward. not.
0: But to be honest... I wish, Aaron, that when I was 22, I had that pile of change Hmm. to start investing. Hmm. You have the rest of your life to own cool cars, and you said this car isn't going to go back up in value. It's already a classic Roadster, and it's not going the other direction? Unless you're driving it, and you said, well, it's going to cost me a lot in maintenance. Well, then, no. Hmm. Hmm. I wish I had the foresight. Instead, when I was 27,
1: I bought a Porsche 928. (laughs) And look where you are now. I don't know if that's a (laughs) cautionary tale or an Uh, endorsement. I really don't know which way to look at that. That's really, yeah. Uh But if I had plunked, it was
0: $19,000 and I had Mm -hmm. $10,000 saved up. So I was paying off nine grand. Yeah, yeah. If I had bought then $10,000 worth of Apple stock, I'd have a really nice house Mm, and a car collection.
1: Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, for sure.
0: So I look at that thinking, I, I... As much as I love cars, as much as I kid all of you about blowing out your Mm, budget mm. and then as much as you kind of go do it on your own
1: without my help. (laughs) It's true. You don't need much (laughs) encouragement, all of you listening, which we appreciate, by the way.
0: I wish I had that pile of cash. What if you allocated two thirds of it towards a professional investor Mm. and you started your nest egg Mm. and then, you know, you bought some inexpensive, we've covered $5,000 cars, we've covered $750 cars.
1: There you go. Yeah.
0: You would have the car, but if it's not some investment vehicle, literally take your money and invest it. It, This is what financial analysts the world over wish young people would do. And I kind of wish I'd done the same.
1: I am I am shockingly surprised by your maturity in this podcast. Apparently, it only took like five hundred and something podcasts for Paul to just have a moment of, of cl- clear maturity. Aaron, I'm going to take the uh, the counterpoint here, and I'm going right. to unpack a few things. Oh, of course all right, you are. because in your first sentence, we skipped one thing. You said you're listening to the podcast. You're okay. Rewind here, real quick. <laughs> you're 22. Yeah. You're listening to the podcast because you've discovered podcasts in general to get you through the days at your, quote, unquote, this is your words, soul-crushing job. Indeed, yes. You have a soul-crushing job at 22. Now, my question for you is— Many of us did. Yes, yes, that is key. What is this job and how long will you be in it? Is this the beginning of a career in this job or is this just the job you have right now at 22 because you're moving on to blank?
0: I would say it's the latter. I would say it's that.
1: I hope so. I hope that you have a soul-crushing 9 to 5 right now because your prospects of what you're going to do for your life are going to get better. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Because I've known plenty of people that right out of college, twenty-two, twenty-three, got into a job they really didn't like and made decent money, and they stayed there for 30-something years. Yeah. yeah. Those are not happy people when they retire. <laughs> uh, honestly. They just, across the board, generally aren't. Unless, of course, they had some amazing nest egg and whatever. They retire at 40. Still. That exists. Yeah. It exists. But... You're 22. You have no entanglements right now. Mm -hmm. You could buy a stupid car right now, and it's not going to affect you that much. I understand your math. I get the math. I get the logic. I understand. But you're also at the beginning of your earning potential. Very true. Very true. So you are going to make more down the line. You're at 22, which is also, honestly, I think below 25, 26 is the threshold. When you can do something dumb – and there's not okay. a ton of lifelong consequence. Don't put it on social media, by the way. But there's not a ton of lifelong consequences. Todd said there wouldn't be any repercussions. Yeah, exactly. He gave me permission, exactly. explicit permission uh-huh. to I buy said, this thing. I said, go be stupid. So I'm thinking about this in kind of larger life terms in that regard. I'm concerned about your soul-crushing job. I hope it's not your career. Agreed. Agreed. And also, you're 22, I appreciate your level of maturity because you're right. You could invest that money and it would it would gain. I get it. I do get it. But you can also be stupid. You can you can get a car that. But here but here's the twist on this car you're looking at. You haven't told us what it is. Here's the twist on this car. I'm very concerned about whatever the specific cars you're looking at. And I think that car is probably wrong. In spite of what I've just said, I think that car is probably of wrong. This because, particular
0: one he's writing about. Exactly. Okay. And Here's
1: why. You haven't told us what it is. But here's why. I don't know if you've ever driven it. You don't unknown, mention this is a car you have driven. So yes. have you driven it enough to know you like it? You mm-hmm. might not have. If you're looking at it longingly and going, oh, my gosh, that's that thing, and I could have it, and I could, it's going to be, you are putting a lot of pressure on this car. Very true. You're looking at it true. as a potential six-figure purchase because you're looking at the investment potential or right. the investment loss. L-
0: Loss. and the, yeah.
1: Theoretical loss. You're looking at it as a I'm making a six-figure decision. That you, which can't, you, you can't, can't calculate actually, the no, exactly.
0: capital gains. and.
1: The- so there's that. You're also wanting to have it forever. You're 22. You're wanting your kids to like it. You're not even in a serious relationship. This car has pressure.
0: Yeah, true. It
1: has big pressure to be... Oh, I mean, it's just, I mean, literally the light needs to come down from heaven. This
0: is the car. Seriously. So when you are 72, 50 years later, you're going,
1: you're glad you made that choice. 50 years ago.
0: Let me tell you the story. No, wait, where are you going? Come back.
1: Let me tell you the story. But but I'll go you another one. What if you buy this car and it is as awesome as you think. And the person you fall in love with to be your spouse hates it. What are you going to do? What if your spouse says, you know what? I don't like it, but I tolerate it. And then your kid doesn't even like cars, let alone that one. Mm. What are you going to do? you are putting a lot of pressure on this specific automobile. Very true. And I think it's too much. I think it's too much pressure on that car. If you're willing to buy it to get rid of it, then I'll endorse it. But okay. That's not your headspace. So my thinking is you're 22. You've got 20 grand to spend. Go spend 12. Yeah. On something fun. I like that. Like a Miata. I like that. Invest the rest, but just something 12 on something fun that you can enjoy. That's not your four-cylinder Ford Probe. that you're just like, I drive that. Mm -hmm. Okay? Something that you genuinely can enjoy but doesn't have all this pressure to be this, "Ah, this is a car forever. I'm 22. Buddy, you could live to 100. (laughs) If you live to the average age of 80, you've got 60 years left (laughs) for this car to survive. Can you imagine? Okay? I I really want to free you up from that kind of thinking. I think spend some of your money. Get a fun car you can actually enjoy. That if in two years it breaks or gets wrecked or whatever, I'm now 24. Okay, moving on. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm saying let's spend 12 grand on something fun. Let's let it be fun. Let's get you some fun because soul crushing nine to five man. Let's find some fun in there. And I hope that you can have a mix of this long-term thinking, which at your age is profound, mixed with the reality of the fact that you're 22 and you can have a little fun.
0: Summer is finally here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. You know, the leather seats that you thought were a great idea until you scald your legs.
1: Luckily, all you need is a custom sunscreen from our friends at Covercraft. They're awesome. They're amazing. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car and keep your car cooler when you're off enjoying the sunshine.
0: These custom sunscreens come in a variety of colors, and they're an affordable and simple way to keep your car cooler in the summer and protected from damaging UV rays all year
1: long. We swear by our custom sunscreens. I I love it. It's one of our very favorite car accessories. Remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code every day right now at Covercraft.com. Or you can follow the link from our sponsors page.
0: Thank you, guys, for your social media questions. There is one from Avi Ram on Facebook who asks about the thought process Uh behind where car manufacturers place the name badge on the car and the model name, number, or trim level. The okay. X7 in all its Beaver Teeth glory seemed like an afterthought. <laughs>
1: There's a space there. You got a badge. Bring me the badge. Take the sticky yeah. off the back. We're going to put it right here. I, it, it is kind of like that.
0: <laughs> I hate to say it, but unless it is actually – I'll I'll give you the Cayman and Boxster, the new 781, mm-hmm. 718, excuse me, mm-hmm. Boxster and Cayman, where the Porsche lettering is molded into that particular yes. rear yes. strip mm-hmm. in the back, unless it is specifically like that the back of the car has some sort of real estate. We'll yeah. figure out a place mm-hmm. and it isn't in sketches. It isn't in design sketches. They don't put the model point. name number. Interesting. That's point. never any right. I hadn't thought about that. It's not even clay models or evaluation yeah, models. That's a it's good not point. put on until the very end when indeed in many cases, it is an afterthought because let's be honest, there's going to be some place we can stick a badge that'll be kind of lined up and then we make a template and that goes on mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. robot or the person sticks it on. <laughs> yeah. And that, that'll that work. It's not always really well thought through. Like I said, the 718, mm-hmm. well thought through.
1: Well, the Porsche in general is doing that back where yes. they've got Porsche molded in. but and but, then, across, but the board, then across the board. the model the, the model goes below that generally. Yes. And if you go to the Porsche configurator, you can the Cayman is a perfect one i love it in the Cayman because you can decide what you want the letters below the Porsche badge to say
0: yeah well i mean to to a degree I, uh, I, yes, customization I, you can't you know
1: I really wish you could put 9/11 on the back of a Cayman. I really want to do that. I really, you've got so bad. I almost want to buy a Cayman and buy the letters 9/11 and stick it on the back and see if anybody notices. I just uh, anyway, yeah. With the general public, you better believe it. That's exactly what I would do. Well, yeah.
0: yeah, in, In a in a weird way, in many cases, they can find a place and all right, that'll work. And let's put it there. He's also got another question here: food, food handles, maybe door handles on SUVs. He says, "Why are they door formless handles. blobs?" That,
1: that would be uh, that would be an autocorrect moment there. there.
0: Why are food handles, door handles staggered? Why are they tiled up? He can't understand why you would do this because maybe passengers have to step up higher for the rear, which makes sense in SUVs but not sedans. What is the meaning to this madness? In well, you, I'm glad you're noticing door handles. The Continental brought it back and put it up on the window trim, right, mm-hmm. you know, just above mm-hmm. the shoulder line, and kind of hit them. You know, deep in there and then there's other places where you think the door handles here. Why did we go with here? Mm -hmm. It's yes, it is about ergonomics and the average height of a human being to Mm -hmm. where, you you know, they have to average it out. There's tall people. There's short people. But Mm -hmm. yeah, in a lot of cases, it kind of flows in with that particular styling theme or maybe it doesn't and they have to relocate it.
1: You're one of the people that pointed out to me first, years, and this is long before we're doing the show, you pointed out to me that you never saw concept cars or sketches with door handles. No. And to the point that now, think about Chip Foose's stuff. Think about the the nine, uh, 914 we drove from the Griot's Garage uh-huh. Group. Uh-huh. The the E-Type was the same way. Yeah. When people have the ability to customize their cars and they're just worried about the design, What happens? The door handles go away, and it becomes that little press the button to pop the door open, which, by the way, if you have battery issues or you lock your keys in your car,
0: you're screwed.
1: But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the door handles go away because it breaks up the design. It's a necessity, but it's also a wart. Yeah. 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 Gabriel on Facebook asks a question related to the car debate we just got out of for Aaron. Gabriel says, "How do I convince my friend to buy a car? He is a car enthusiast. He likes cars, but he's afraid to jump in and buy his first car because he thinks it's going to financially ruin him." It's ex- is your friend Aaron, by the way? <laughs> is this Aaron Because I think I think it's the same person. I- the the key, the key element here is the fact – and look, it took me a while to learn this, especially when I was buying cars for myself, okay? Like when I got out of the hand-me-down Caprice Classic, because of course I did, into I'm going to get married, we have to buy cars, the decisions were very different suddenly. But you have to keep in mind the fact that you don't have to keep a car forever. Mm-hmm. cars in spite of being very expensive are much easier to unload than houses or most ever anything else you'll ever true, buy. True. Okay. Because you, it almost almost anything else you buy, you would have a little bit of trouble selling it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a house is this big thing that a car you can unload. Okay. So encourage him that he can get a car without real, without feeling like he has to have it a certain period of time or has to, it has to be the car.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, We've all done it. I had a Lancer, the blue, and engine. You may have a car that doesn't do well, that isn't reliable. You probably in your lifetime will own one like that. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that all cars are that way. It doesn't mean all cars of that brand are that way. True. true. Cars, I know I know, uh, anthropomorphize cars a lot, but I, I do think there's some truth to it. Cars like people have personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And two cars that are apparently the same won't age the same. Agreed. So yeah, free up your, your friend to have a, okay, I'm going to buy this car right now. And then if I need to unload it, I will. Michael T. Marsden
0: asks about shut lines on car hoods. What's going on? He You're says, having
1: design fun over there. Yeah, over there yeah, I love the
0: design questions guys. So he says, there's no way designers prefer this over the clean line option, just over the grill. So that's shut lines up on top of the, the top surface of the mm, car. Hood. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So is this a byproduct of crash and pedestrian safety regulations? Not necessarily. It's a byproduct of manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Where designers choose to put shut lines can affect budgets severely one way or the other. Mm. And they have to fight with engineers and the people just building the cars. They just want it to be easy to put together. I, I want things to be able to line up really well. And shut lines are one of the benchmark things that car companies are measured by. Hey, you got good shut lines. Everything else must be great. So, It's really more of a byproduct of manufacturing, and the Supra is a great example because Mm, I'll bet mm. you the engineers had to fight for that one. That is, we've been told, the single largest sheet metal stamping for a car thus far. big
1: curled hood thing, yeah. It's
0: huge, but it hides any shut lines, and it cleans everything up beautifully, and it, it hides it in panel gaps, and you have to kind of look for it. Beautifully done versus
1: all of the random vents on the car elsewhere. Yeah, well, yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. Those actually release tension off the sheet metal, by the way. Mm, okay. So that's actually a good thing, but in this case, I'll bet you they had to fight for that super You're hood. right. You're just right. Just to to keep that, that was a design decision right there, just to keep the cleanliness of that hood, but the cost goes up. So. Who wins the fight? Yeah. And that goes on all the way around the car. Some shut lines you see like, oh, well, that was the easy way out. Of course. (laughs) you know, Why (laughs) don't you do it like this? That was cheaper. Yeah. No, but it was probably cheaper. Use less urethane or less material or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just easier to come out of a tool or a mold or whatever that is. So that's always the discussion. Shut lines are actually a huge discussion. You don't just draw it on and be like, okay, we're good. Just make it like that. No. (laughs) No. What's underneath? What are the mounting points? Mm, Good point. What is the material? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the engineering team steps in and says, no, you can't do that. You got to change it over here. We can't, we can't pull this. Yeah. Well, that's ugly now because look at what the line does. Well, we don't
1: care. Yeah. Wow. It's a fight. They are a fight. Interesting point. Another thing that happened uh, recently with us is we did that thing we don't do often. We went for a drive and we didn't take cameras. The reason was because I just this weekend, uh, I finished getting the Lotus back from getting new shoes. You've heard me talk about in our autocross piece that the Lotus was understeering terribly. Now part of that was well, there are a lot of factors. Gravel was down, and also it was cold, and also I had the Indy five hundreds on there, which I'll be honest, I've had for three years on the car. I've done multiple track days in them, I've done multiple canyon runs in them, and by and large, I've liked them. Yeah, right. But I came to I need to get new tires. And so then I actually thought about this for a while, and I'm heading toward a question that was actually asked by Kelvin about how my new tires compare. Okay. Okay? okay. So I I asked myself two questions. Do I want to get all seasons or maybe even winters to actually do Lotus Through the Snow videos because I would love to actually do that experience? And then I realized we have another cheap car challenge coming up, and those are going to go through the snow, so that's not necessary. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to embrace it because I'm not commuting – to Salt Lake anymore in this car. Sure, sure. I'm still driving it as much daily as I can, but I'm not putting as many miles on it and I'm not driving through all weather as much as I was a couple of years ago when we weren't full-time with the show. So that frees me up to just go ahead and embrace real performance tires on that car. And I bought essentially what is the current equivalent of the tires it was provided with, Yokohamas. Right, right. So these are Advent 52s. They are quite aggressive, they are very sticky, and they don't have a whole lot of tread. Now, luckily, these are now. Granted, this is a low bar, but these are supposed to be much better in the wet than the original Yokohama that came on the car. Of course, those were like spinny <laughs> disasters in the wet. I was going to say so, how much
0: better. What is, yeah, what is better? Exactly, like, like
1: anything better is, you is spun is, it, it's not a, quite as far into the travel. Tri- exactly, tri- 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 I, I, I spun you know after hitting more water. <laughs> right. That's really all that happened. But anyway, but I went ahead and got the Advans, and I have to say I'm pretty impressed. Glad to hear. Yesterday, when you and I went on this drive, was quite fast. Yeah, it was and I, you and I were trading who was leading. My mm-hmm. son was along. We were trading who was leading. Yeah. We had a lot of fun on a back road, and I was noting. And this is no commentary on driving at all. I was I was very aware of it car wise. I was noting how little I was having to use the brake. Mm-hmm. You well, and I were it, keeping consistent speeds, and my car's is obviously it's lighter. that
0: way in general. You know, just being so much more yeah light yeah. Than yeah. But in.
1: I could I could almost drive the canyon at very high speed. I also, think I was driving it at a high said it to my son a general higher average speed than I normally do. I think you were too. And were too. most of my adjustments were, because again, it's Canyon driving. We're not going 10 tenths no, now. Okay. No. So most of my adjustments for corners was literally just a lift off of the gas it was mm. just enough of a reduction in speed to chuck it in and put the power back down. Mm. Quite impressed. I didn't, here's the thing. I don't dislike the Indy 500s. I think they are a really good, affordable performance tire. I think. Value. Yes. I think the heavier your car is, the more you should avoid them. Okay. The Lotus is very light. Yeah, true. Okay? true. But the Advents are a completely different class. Hmm.
0: Fantastic. All right. Last question for me here. There's, uh, oh, J.R. Schultz says Is Toyota quietly becoming a performance brand again? Quietly? I think they've jammed a (laughs) spear in the ground with a pig's head on the end and Mm, saying, here's
1: mm. the super, everybody. Bam. I love this question. because, But this comes back to where we started. This is nice bookends for today's podcast. (laughs) Okay. Because 10 years ago, they weren't a performance brand. They had been in their past. 10 years back, it was like, I'm not buying a Toyota performance car. Toyota
0: and performance? That's a laugh.
1: 10 years ago, Ford was having a coming out party with, we have performance everything, and they're all really cheap and really good. Yeah. And here we are, Ford is cycling out into trucks. SUVs and trucks, and that's pretty much it. And Toyota is going, there's openings. And we've had conversations with folks at Toyota that they haven't said it to us this clearly, but they have appreciated the fact that we, as car enthusiasts, are noticing they're making those efforts. Yes.
0: Yes, Hyundai's the same way. Mazda Speed went away. Hyundai N got dropped on yeah, us. you're right. Which is phenomenal. It transforms any Hyundai that it's
1: on. Mm-hmm.
0: Hello. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for your questions. Really appreciate it. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.